we should motivate people in a healthy way. We should not tell people that, oh, you come to Web3, you get rich. That's a very bad uh, way to motivate people. It's very short term too, right? Like sure, people want to get into Web3, but they're only in for the money. Uh, they're not in for the right reasons, right? What I would love to do is that I would like to let people know of the beauty of Web3. I would tell them about the technology, about uh, like explain to them what Web3 enables and people will hopefully get interest. Hello everyone, welcome to the sixth episode of Colors of Web3 and Entrepreneurship. My name is Lum, I'm your Web3 host and here today with me is Chi from Nethermai. Uh, hi Chi, would you like to give us a quick uh, introduction about yourself? Thank you, thank you Lum. Hi everyone, my name is Chi, I'm from Malaysia. Uh, a bit of a myself, I am a developer and but nowadays I have been traveling around as well, giving talks during hackathons, and that's where I met Lum in one of in, in Tokyo. Actually, we went in Tokyo, and Lum was the finalist, and we have a great chat uh, on the day after in Tokyo uh, in, yes. in, in this meetup called in Japan. Uh, and I just like meeting people like Lum and meeting all the hack, hacker community, getting to know people who are building cool stuff. Uh, because as a dev myself, I do really appreciate people coming up with great ideas, uh, especially during hackathon. That's a quick introduction of me. Awesome. So um, I'm wondering how long have you been in like Web3 now and how many countries have you traveled to? <laughs> Good question. So I'll start off with the first question. How many years have I been in Web3? Uh, I, I would count like three to four years, four years-ish, four and a half years. Uh, not exactly uh, very young yeah. now. Uh, my journey started off uh, with a, from a local startup. I do not know if any one of you are familiar with the uh, the scene, the, dev, the, the tech scene in Malaysia. So I started working in a software house. A software house is basically like a desk shop. Uh, you get uh, the, the company get contracts and you just build projects for them. So I started off working from there. And uh, at the time, blockchain was the hype. It was during the 2017 era. Actually, it, it was 2017-18 era. That means after the bull run. But again, people, the hype is still there. And my, the company at that time wanted to explore uh, into blockchain. And I somehow got involved in uh, in researching about that. So that's when I uh, wrote my first solid contract, run my first guest note, uh, learned a lot about that. And then I, and then after like a couple of, uh, I think one one year, one more year in the company. So I've been in, in that company for one year already. So one more year doing that, I made a switch to uh, a company called Etherscan, which is a block explorer uh, on Ethereum. Oh. Uh, it, it, and uh, surprisingly, Etherscan was also a Malaysian company, which is very unknown to me at the time. I just realized that, really? hey, I didn't know I just that. Found, yeah, I, I, didn't know that, I, I didn't know that when I applied to. So uh, there, there's this local job portal called Job Street where the local Malaysians will often go to look for jobs. And I, I saw Etherscan and I was like, okay, now they're Malaysian, so I decided to apply. And I didn't know that I would get in, I would, I would got it, and, but I got in. Uh, that was fantastic opportunity. So I spent about two years over there. And that is when I really get serious into the Ethereum space because Etherscan allows me to touch on a lot of a lot of different aspects of blockchain, like from the uh, the 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 DApp protocols, the smart contract, and even get to know about the product, uh, the, the underlying protocols. And uh, doing Etherscan, I was I wanted to learn more about the underlying protocol. And at that time, there was this program launched by the Ethereum Foundation. Uh, they they call themselves the Ethereum Apprenticeship Apprenticeship Program. Uh, has this this program has now been renamed. It is still alive. It's still there. It's now called Four or Five already. Uh, it it has been renamed as to something like Protocol. I can't remember. Like uh, it's some sort of apprenticeship where you get to um, where they pay you to research and learn whatever that you're interested in. So I was in Cohort Zero, and that that for, yeah that further uh how can I say spur my interest towards uh learning more about the underlying protocols, the infrastructure about blockchain. And then I left Etherscan to join a, a company in Singapore for like less than a year. And finally, I joined Nethermind, which is a company that I always want to join because Nethermind is um, a company that has been doing a lot, a lot of infrastructure. And I know that uh, we are going to talk about Nethermind later, so I'm not yep. going to talk so much about Nethermind now. Uh, oh, okay. what, 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 the, the second question, like how many countries have I been to? Yes. Uh, after COVID, uh, I've been traveling roughly at about one country per month. Uh, but sometimes they are the same country. So I've been to like Korea like mm, two times, Vietnam three times, nice. uh, Singapore three times in the last two years. Uh, Amsterdam was the first uh, country that I traveled after COVID that was doing Def Connect. And Def Connect is happening again in uh, Istanbul and I will see you there, Lam, and hopefully some yes, of you as well. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's an event that you should definitely go. Uh, wow. Uh, plenty, I would say more than 10, 
more than 10 now. Uh, awesome. so, so more ZZ, than 10 different countries. I see. So these also include like your country you travel from personal as well? Uh, nowadays, I normally travel for Web3 events. So all the travels are so event-related. Yeah. I see, I see. Yeah. 100% Web3 so, so far, yeah. That's awesome. I think that's one of the perks of working for like a fully Web3 native uh, company protocol, right? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the, the culture is very different, yeah. You get to travel around and the greatest thing is you get to meet people at different uh, countries and learn their culture. Like that, like how I met you, love. That is yeah. just, I mean, I wouldn't have met you if I'm not in the space, right? I wouldn't have met all my friends from overseas. I wouldn't have get to know, learn their culture and they wouldn't get to know, learn Malaysian culture as well. So uh, it's something that uh, Web3 enables. It's true. I, I, I do agree with that. I think Web3 is quite exciting in the sense that there's so many different um, communities around the world, right? Trying to gather around like some common mm. topic, whether it's like dev related, whether it's some other smaller gaming community or whatever community there in Web3, right? People have gathered around. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing I find mm. really exciting about Web3 as well too. So can you tell us a bit more about what, what do you do for fun outside of work? What are your hobbies? <laughs> for fun outside of work. Uh, my hobbies mainly um, is about, okay, uh, non-tech related hobbies. I, I do a bit of running, a bit of gym, uh, watch some animes. I know that a lot of Japanese uh, nice. viewers. And yeah, anime is something I love to watch. I, I love uh, since I was a kid. Okay. Uh, even started to learn Japanese because I'm anyway it took like a six, seven years Japanese course. Wow. Not going to that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I took I, I, I passed remember. M3, like, oh, you passed yeah. <laughs> like a couple of years ago. And uh, I should take my N2, but uh, I just got mm -hmm. lazy. I just didn't study anymore. I should. I should. Uh, I that is, that is, uh, and I, I, like, I like to make coffee and I drink and make matcha. Mm. So those are my hobbies outside of the tech world. Aside from that, I like, uh, I like joining hackathons. Hackathons is so fun. I like learning about, uh, the ZK space, reading about the latest technology in ZK on my own free time. Uh, just, you know, just hacking around, doing some random stuff that is not world with it, but I still tech related. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think your interest is quite diverse. Uh, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> curious on my personal side here. I actually, I remember that you, you actually speak Japanese really well also during that event we met. I was actually quite surprised, but I'm actually oh. uh, curious about like, what is your favorite uh, anime you want to share with us? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you so much. I do. I don't, I speak very simple, basic Jap entry level and two level Japanese, not, not nothing to be shout about. I nothing think that's more than about. enough. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, my favorite anime uh, has to be. Uh, Hunter Hunter, but Hunter Hunter cannot be my favorite now because it's on hiatus for so long. Oh, uh, right. One Piece yeah. is a good one. Jujutsu Kaisen is a good one, and oh, nice. uh, now, yeah, that that lot like some of them are, like very good. I just like have like ten good ones on my list, and uh, sometimes I just you know forgot to mention. Nice. <laughs> Detective awesome. Conan, Metate Conan, and another one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I think a few of the one you mentioned have been running for like forever. I think like Metate Conan, yeah. Yeah. I like long animes. I like long. You like long anime? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually sometimes also wonder, like, will this anime ever end? Like, Meitante Conan, right? I remember when I was a I kid. Know. When I was a kid, like, five years old, I think they already began, right? And then yeah. now I'm, like, yeah, in my 30s already, and then it's still ongoing. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to last long. Anyway, that's very interesting. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess so you've always been in the more like a technical capability, right? In your past experience, how that you began mm. in a software development agency company, and then you move on mm. and the, the Web3 space. Um, mm. So, you know, if, if, if you have to explain Web3, actually, this is a question now I get quite common, and I'm quite curious how you would answer this. How would you explain mm. Web3 to someone who is not in Web3? Uh, like, there's uh, a definition. So, there are a couple of... Yeah, there are a couple of approaches to answering that depending on what you want to look at. So for those learners who want to get into Web3, like they ask me, how do I transition to Web3 Web from uh, whatever industry they're from? Uh, mm -hmm. I would just say uh, Web3 is a sort of like a, has a culture that is very open, very transparent. You can ask any questions you want online as long as you have, uh, you have the initiative to ask questions and people definitely give you an answer. Good or not. Uh, the people definitely give an answer and can always ask for uh, follow-up questions. So uh, Web3, it's a very, how can I say, open, uh, accepting and friendly culture. Uh, this is my explanation for those who like to get into Web3. But for those who do not understand Web3 at all and just want to mm. be, like, get to know like what is Bitcoin and stuff like that, uh, I would say Web3 is a, it's going to be an upcoming technology, uh, very unlike what we are um, familiar with. 
So people has been saying that uh, tech like Google, Facebook are Web2 because it has been controlled by a centralized party. Uh, I think one, uh, how can I say, one defining point of Web3 is that uh, it's about inclusiveness of, uh, of uh, the data, inclusiveness of whoever, uh, who controls the data, who controls the operation and make sure that uh, no one is able to uh, are able to centrally control, um, how can I say, the, the backend process and the logic and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, meaning, meaning to say, the logics are out there in the public and there's no one who can cheat lie because you are, you are, able, to be, you are able to join and be a part of it. Uh, yeah. And hence, I think that's why we, uh, we have this very open culture because everyone at the end of the day is able to join the network, able to verify the trusting for ourselves. If you do not trust a bank, uh, in Web2, but you you kind of have to trust Web3 because you're able to run the node for yourself. You're able to check the code for yourself. Mm, that is, uh, to me, uh, the definition of Web3. Interesting. Thank you. So would, would you also say that uh, when people, for people who don't understand about Web3, would you say that Web3 also uh, technologies that utilize what? That utilize blockchain te- related to technology? Uh, so there are a couple of people who define Web3 in a se- se- separate way. Some people would even uh, add in AI to Web3. I think that's a fair point, but uh, because I am primarily in the blockchain industry, I would uh, my focus is on uh, blockchain. I do not know much about AI, so I do not want to speak for that. Uh, so AI could be something like Web3, big data could be a Web3 thing, uh, depends on how you want to define it. But for me, Web3 is primarily about the openness, about the inclusiveness that everyone is able to partake, which is primarily blockchain. Nice. That's a very, actually, very good definition, I would say. <laughs> Interesting. So um, hmm. now I think I would like to deep dive more into your current work that you do at mm-hmm. Nethermind. Well, first, can you tell us what is there like an official title that you do at uh, Nethermind? Oh yes, uh, this is a very good question because yeah. uh, I, I like everyone who has a very clear, distinctive role in in the job or mm-hmm. as a company. I have a multiple roles. My role has been switched around. So I am officially hired as a developer and developer evangelist. Uh, so for those who are not familiar with what developer and evangelists do, that means I have to sometimes go out and give workshops, talk to people, let people know about Nethermind, let people know about uh, let people know about the things that we are working on. Uh, basically, there's some community aspect to my job. But I am also a developer uh, by trade. That means I write code when I'm not going to events. And recently, I've been made. Uh, so there are multiple products in the company which we are going to talk. We are going to talk about. So I've been made a, a co-lead of one of the products. So that means I now have to kind of oversee uh, what the, the projects uh, from a from a from a higher level to make sure that everything like is well planned and stuff like that, and also write code for that. So my role is uh, depending on who asks uh, mm-hmm. and the situation, I would probably give you a different answer. But all of these three applies. Yeah. Okay. So then, I mean, if, um, you know, I'm, I'm, before I became like a Web3 product manager, I was a data scientist. So I actually, I love like data and numbers. Can you give us like mm-hmm. a rough breakdown of like, you know, maybe on, in terms of your, your time at work, like what percentage would, would you be like a developer? What percentage would be a developer evangelist or, and then what percentage would be like, you know, what are some other category? I would say 80% would be more on a dev and coding book because Co-lead and dev is kind of like similar now. Like people message me to ask me stuff and I also write code. Like only when I go to travel, when I go to events, I'm doing the evangelist role. So, and now, I mean, if we try to put that in the picture, I travel around like uh, once every month for like around one week. So that's around like 20, 25%. So 25, yeah. 20 to 25% dev evangelist role. I see. That yeah. Makes sense. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and now, uh, can you give us a more uh, detailed introduction about your company? And feel free to share any uh, presentation or material that you have here. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm glad you asked because I've never prepared. Uh, let, me, let me just quickly share my screen. Entire screen. There you go. Okay. So I am pointing, okay, I am pointing everyone to uh, the official web page. Uh, so Nanomine is a company that has multiple, multiple products and we normally, uh, try to solve like like you said right the hardest problems in blockchain so meaning we we do have uh, a couple of products under our under the nethermind name uh the most prominent one uh, for those who are familiar with the underlying uh, protocol like for those who have run their own uh, nodes or validators you may be familiar with uh, the execution client and nethermind started off as a nethermind client so i have conveniently included the github here uh, so this is the GitHub to our Nethermind client. 
one one uh, one one quick one one quick simple question uh, is you know for people who may not be familiar what a note or what a validator can you quickly tell uh -huh. us about that in in yeah, terms? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you asked because uh, I also have another another, uh, another page for this one uh, so so basically what you can see on on the screen here they are Gaff, Nethermind, Aragon, Besu, and Ref so these are the different uh, types of clients that are written by different teams. Uh, Gaff is written Golang, Nethermind by us, it's written C Sharp. Aragon is by C Sharp, uh, sorry, Aragon is by Go, in Golang, and they are written by different teams, different implementation. Uh, why are nodes or clients uh, necessary in a blockchain? It's because this is sort of, you can think of this as a sort of an entry point to the blockchain. So by running a node, you are basically uh, running a blockchain that is able that and you're able to talk to other other people running this the blockchain uh, together with you in a very decentralized manner so for example let's say i am running nanomine and uh, lam you're running Gaff, for example mm -hmm. uh, we all are reading from the ethereum blockchain but and and therefore the nodes will have to have a way to talk to each other to communicate data so let's say i have made a transaction to you so my node will have to register the transaction and your node will also have to register the transaction to be considered a valid transaction uh, this is more of a decentralized model that uh, blockchain has been preaching about. Uh, by having different kind of nodes, we are able to ensure safety of the network. Why do I say that? Because let's say there is a bug probably in the GAF client. Uh, we can see that GAF is like forty six percent of the uh, yeah. of the node uh, of the so nodes that are being roughly run out. half, yeah, about half, yeah. Yeah, it used to be worse. It used to be like seventy percent, which is which is not nice. So hmm. people have been preaching about the client diversity thing. So let's say if GAF is down, we can see the entire blockchain is down because seventy percent of the Entire entire system is down, but now now it's a bit better uh, thanks to the existence of Nanomine, Aragon, and Besu, and now Ref. So if Gaff is down, we has we still have at least more than fifty percent of the nodes still running, and therefore um, client diversity will help protect uh, the network uh, and improve the liveness of the network. So uh, Nanomine is uh, one of the clients that uh, that that uh, that exists in the Ethereum space. So uh, hopefully that explains. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> And uh, aside from Nanomine client, we do have a couple of products such as we have Juno. Juno, uh, for those who are familiar with L2s, uh, I'm going to go a bit deeper here. L2s are basically a, a way, uh, uh, a method for people to scale Ethereum. So they, ha they have this uh, gas issue, which is very expensive to transact on Ethereum in the case of a, a high transaction uh, period. So L2s aim to solve that, so to, uh, to, allow use, to allow more people to be able to use the blockchain. So StartNet is an L2. So Nanomine also builds a client on StartNet and a Voyager, which is a team I'm working on. Uh, it's a block explorer on StartNet. So you're able to uh, browse your transactions. Uh, this is something that I haven't have prepared, which I probably should. You're able to browse your transactions here on the site. Like, oh, you're able to look at the blocks that your transaction, let's say you, let's say this is my transaction. You're able to key in your transaction here and uh, it takes a while to load and then you're able to see your transaction details and stuff like that. So this is the, this is the team that I'm working on, never mind. Okay. Aside from that, we have, uh, we do build like a few L2 toolings as well. And we do audits, uh, probably we, yeah, we do smart contract audits as well. So uh, we, we do know of the existence of certain uh, other auditing companies, like maybe uh, Trail of Bids, Open Zeppelin, and Nethermind is one of the companies that are doing smart contract audits. Uh, one thing that, we are slightly different from them is that we also do Cairo audits. Cairo is another smart contract that is deployed on, uh, that is written on StartNet. So we do Solidity and Cairo audits. And um, for the, we, see, we also for, have a... Sorry, for the smart contract audit here, do, do you, uh, does your team do it in a manual way? As in, you have people, developer looking at the code or do you have some actually tooling for that or? Yeah, we have a, we have a couple of auditors that are, their job is to just uh, look into audit the code for other people for clients and for those who want to go a bit more. There's there are other there are other techniques like formal verification and even real time monitoring. So these are under our Nethermind security umbrella. So um, these these are very three different techniques to ensure that your to ensure that your contract is as safe as possible, as bug free as possible. Yeah, got it. Yeah, nice. Uh -huh. And uh, we do have the applied cryptography team. So for those who are, you know, nowadays ZK is a hype. Right? For those who are interested in ZK, interested in whatever cryptography thing uh, that's out there, we, we do have an internal team that's doing a lot of research on that as well. And I quickly uh, would like to share this article that is written by uh, Albert, uh, a team member of uh, Nethermind. 
So uh, his, in, in this uh, article, he talks about the security of uh, Fry, Fiat-Chemier security of Fry, and uh, that is used on Snarks. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go through this, but yes, this is something okay. that we do as well in Nanomine. I see. Can you give us a very simple um, um, definition of what is ZK or zero knowledge? You know, Because I think that's something that probably yeah, people hear a lot in the Web3 world, but they don't know what it is. Oh, okay, interesting. So, um, so zero knowledge is uh, uh, basically a way for you to mm. nowadays. Okay, the back back in the days, zero knowledge is a way for you to to prove something uh, without re revealing uh, some parts of the uh, some parts of the input. So, so to say, uh, this is a very ambiguous. But let me try again. So, let's say I would like to prove to you, love, that I have enough money to pay my loan. Okay. Right. How will you trust me? Like you, you only trust me if you look into my bank account, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, in the web two world. Yeah, yeah, in the web two world. Yeah, but but using zk technology, I can somehow prove to you that I have enough money to pay you to pay the loan without you knowing the exact amount I have in my bank account. So using zero knowledge, I'm able to hide the actual amount that I have in the bank, but you're still able to believe that I'm able to fulfill a certain condition. That is, in this case. Uh, am I able to pay back my loan? So this is the very original use case of CK. They're trying to uh, keep some data private while in the, in the, in the same time trying to convince people that uh, with my private data, I'm able to do a certain uh, con conditions or constraint depending on the use case. Uh, but nowadays, CK has uh, moved on. Uh, the privacy factor is still there, but people have discovered that ZK is also a way to prove the validity of execution. And uh, people have also used uh, the power of ZK for scaling. So uh, some of the L2 solutions, like Stunglass, for example, uses uh, the, the concept of proof systems to scale uh, the Ethereum blockchain. So what, what, what they do is that they are proving that the execution is done correctly. Uh, but, but, but when I say scaling, uh, they, do not, they do not worry about the privacy part because, because all they need to know is that they, they, they just need the outcome of the bunch of long execution is correct. So, uh, so ZK can be used in two ways now, one for privacy and one for scaling. I see. Yeah, That's, uh, makes sense. Point. Yeah, thank, thank you for the simple example for ZK. I think it's really helpful. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. Would, would, would you say that, mm, let's say that I have an, an, some sort of a very important object and, you know, uh, you want, like, let's say that, um, is there some way that I can prove to you that I actually have that object without, like a physical object, yeah? Maybe like, a, I don't know, a, a, a sword or something. <laughs> a sword, a katana, or a microphone, let's say I prove, you know, without, uh -huh. without you know, showing you the actual object. Is it possible through ZK somehow? Um, technically, everything is kind of possible, but it really depends on what you want to achieve. So in this case, let's say if you want to prove to me that you have this very the antique sword, but you, you have this antique, but you don't let me know it's a sword, right? For example. Mm. Uh, you might have to go through some tricks. For example, uh, you might have to get uh, someone. You have, you might have to. I mean, this is this is a very hard example to code. You have to you are, you have you have to able to express that 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 so called statement into code, and then then you are able to then uh, create a proof out of that statement. Because uh, let's say in in the in the in the world that we're living now, to prove to you that I have this antique, I have to go through the, uh, maybe a third party, that, and you have to trust the third party. To be able to um to be able to then prove to them that I have this thing, but the third party you have to trust the third party to not reveal the secret. So uh, I guess uh, it, when it comes to ZK technology, you cannot run away from that because at the end of the day, you have to somehow uh kind of like convert this physical asset to to be represented in a digital form, and you can only do that by some sort of like an auditor or some sort of like a trusted third party. Yeah, that's that's my very quick explanation for this and. I have to really sit down to think if, uh, if you yeah. really want me to like come up with solutions. Yeah, thank you, thank you. No, I, I think I think that sounds like <laughs> very. Uh, I think that sounds like a solvable. I mean, possible. I would say possible or feasible solution uh, as well. All right, thank you. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> okay, so moving on with your company here, and then uh, what what other part would you like to share with us? Oh, there's a Dynamite Summit in Istanbul for DevConnect. I know, Lam, you're 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 you are, you are going to join. I'm going to see you there. Sure, <laughs> and sure. uh. And uh, that's all we do. We basically do a lot of uh, protocol research as well because as a Nettermind client, we need to implement the vocal trees. We need to implement uh, dang sharding. We need to implement all sorts of um, uh, EIPs that are going to be core uh, to the, the Ethereum protocol. 
And of course, we maintain some libraries like uh, we contribute to Lib2P, we, we are doing a... So yeah, basically uh, TLDR, Nettermind, it's a company that uh, provides uh, solutions and do research uh, mm. on, on, on basically almost everything on the web free space. Yeah, I almost see. everything. Yeah, and how, how big is this company? How big is Nettermind? Oh uh, yeah, I think right now we have about 200 people, including interns. Oh, speaking of interns, one thing I need to mention is that Nettermind mm. is a very unique uh, model. So uh, we have this thing called an internship program where we take in uh, we take in a lot of interns. I think around, right now we have like 30 or 40 interns oh, really? working okay. yeah, working with us right now. Lot, and yeah. because of the yeah, because of the vast amount of projects that we are doing, uh, interns have the uh, opportunity to jump between the teams and projects that he or she wants to work at. And it's, it's going to be a three-month paid internship uh, with no expectation whatsoever. So the intern is able to work with work alongside the core devs and learn from the core devs. So this is something that... This is a that, full-time opportunity, right? Full-time? Full-time. Of, uh, mm. I mean, uh, you, it can be part-time. It can be discussed because it's going to be paid hourly as well. So if you if you work less, you probably get paid less. But we have no uh, no restrictions as to uh, what we have to achieve at the end of return. Even, even I mean, the, the company is fully remote. That means that I can work mm. wherever I want at whatever time I want. Awesome. Yeah, that's all yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, and 30, 40. And I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that for each intern, you usually pair them with one existing employee team member, right? No, the intern is paid at a rate of uh, roughly around $1,000 per month uh, for three months. So we spend around $3,000 per intern. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know, sorry, sorry. But my, my, my question was actually, like, do, you, do you pair, uh, as in, like, do you match the intern with an existing employee, right? So that they can grow uh, and learn? Or how, how does it? For the intern. So, so we have like many teams. So the intern will just pick one team. For example, my team. So my team right now have two interns. They can just work in, and then we'll just uh, find something interesting for them to do. Or if they have oh. any ideas that they want to build, they can just build with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interns will have to have the uh, initiative and motivation to ask questions, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, in a working world, uh, we cannot expect mm-hmm. uh, to spoon feed uh, everyone. So the intern has to learn. The, the very necess- the necessary skill to survive in a remote friendly company and to survive in any company actually to to ask questions to learn how to communicate uh, in a remote style in a remote uh, manner so i think these are the skills that an intern can pick up uh doing a job for sure yeah i, I think that makes sense and uh, from from what you have introduced so far it sounds like your company is a very technical company so i'm wondering you know out, out of the 200 people how many are actually technical how many are just like handling the business side of things oh yeah uh, I think we have four BDs. I think we have four, uh, oh. like four to five events people, and uh, three to four growth. So I think around five percent are like non-technical. Five okay. to eight percent, or even ten percent non-technical. The rest are so, so, technical. So, yeah. So basically, like ten to twenty people, like <laughs> yeah, non-technical. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay, and what 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 are some of the other companies that would you consider to be like competitors to Nettermind in the space? I wouldn't like to use the word competitor because at the end of the day, uh, everyone is uh, helping each other. I see. Uh, but I, I I will use the word peers. That means okay, you are doing peers. very very similar no. things. No, no, it's all good. I just want to make sure that you know I I uh, I clarify that we are. Nettermind is not a company that tries to f- compete with you, trying to get, make it go out of business. No, uh-huh, we survive it. in a very friendly yeah. manner. Okay. Uh, so I would. Personally, I would consider consensus. Consensus is the team that builds MetaMask, hmm. uh, and now they have a blockchain called Linear. So that team yeah. also builds like a lot of stuff, and uh, also uh, have a also dip their toes into many many different aspects in blockchain, such as they have some research team as well. They build a wallet. They have an auditing team. So we are very similar to what they are doing. And recently, there's a, another company that is very new. I think about one year old or less than one year old. I cannot remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Lambda Class. So Lambda class also aims to build a client, uh, aims to build some smart contract as well. So uh, these are the companies that are very similar to ours. Uh, and uh, I do hope that we're able to coexist and learn from each other. I see. Yeah, thank you. I, I think you uh, share a very interesting perspective. I think the other day I also had a guest who told me that, like, you know, instead of competition we do have to collaborate and work together because you know the the whole ecosystem actually that was my third episode when 
the CEO of Scallop.io, he said that, you know, since uh -huh. DeFi is still a very small community, you know, like the uh -huh. entire DeFi, right? So instead uh -huh. of competing one another, he's actually trying to collaborate with all the different people because like he's trying to bring people more into DeFi, right? Yeah. So it, Oh yeah, for, it, for DeFi especially, yeah, yeah, for DeFi especially, we have to collaborate with each other because yeah. uh, we can think of DeFi as like these Lego blocks where you one protocol is able to hitchhike or another protocol combined with yeah. that protocol to get like more yield or like better better price like like one for example well. right. exactly so yeah. so in the world of DeFi, uh, having the collaborative spirit is super super important. Hmm. Yeah, I see that makes sense, and um. So, so if I understand correctly, one of the main product your company provides is they provide the clients to run the nodes, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes, yeah. yes. And yes. then yes. Uh, I, I guess so. So the the, the obvious is, logical question I want to ask next is like, who who are these people who are actually running the nodes or running the operator? Who who are they? What are they? Business? Are they like individual? What what are they? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh. Okay, I do not know exactly how much, how, how many, how much percent of them are run by industries. So, okay, what, one thing for sure is that the validators have to run the nodes. So, validators are people who validate the blocks and alter mm -hmm. the blocks. So, they have to run the node. Uh, people like block explorers uh, will also have to run the nodes because that is where they get the data from. They, they, mm -hmm. they normally run their own nodes because they don't rely on another third party. Uh, we have RPC providers like Infura like alchemy they also have to run their own nodes because if they don't run their own nodes how else are they going to get the data from right mm -hmm. and there are people who are who just want to run their own nodes like MEV searchers they want to run their own nodes because they uh they want to get like they, they want to ensure that they get the fastest uh, access to the mempool and people who just want to run their own nodes because they don't trust any of the providers so uh it ranges from individuals to business to validators uh, i do not exactly know what are the percentage uh nor do I know how to look them up. I just need to I probably need to Google it later if I, if you really want me to know, I'll give you an answer. But yeah, uh, anyone can run a node, and these are the people who might have the incentive to run a node. Some people just run it for fun, as okay. well. I see. All good. And I think you you mentioned a very difficult word and topic, uh, mempool. I, I actually would like to to uh, can you give a brief like introduction or like, very brief? Yeah, I don't think you have to go go very deep into it about mempool. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, so mempool is basically like a like a pool of transactions that people have submitted to the blockchain, but has hasn't been included in the block yet. Because if we we need to know that uh, for transactions to be uh, accepted by everyone, because at the end of the day it's a blockchain, where everyone uh, that runs a node have to consent, have to agree that this transaction is correct, and and to do that the transaction has to be in a block because the blocks are the one that's being passed around by uh, among all the clients. So these are the transactions. The transaction in the mempool are the transaction that has been sent to a certain client and hasn't been included into a block yet. And the mempools are being, uh, how can I say, are being shared uh, via P2P to other nodes as well. Because um, so 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 let's say I have so let's say um, maybe Alex uh, Alex is a made up name uh, send me a transaction send my node my client a transaction. So I have I have to first include it in the mempool, perform some checking. If I think it's okay, I will I will then P2P the, the, this transition to to you, Lam, and then you will do your checking, and then you P2P to some other people. So eventually, uh, one of the people who, who one of the node clients that is going to validate the block is going to include that transaction from the mempool into the block. Yeah. So mempool is basically like a mempool basically consists of transaction that has has not been included included in the block yet. So yeah. So that's basically that's, that's basically it. I see, I see. So I'm, I'm, I'm I actually when you, I, I was just thinking of this very simple example related to food and cooking. So would, would, would it be fair to say that, you know, mempu is like maybe the ingredients that you put on the table that you actually haven't put into the actual um, frying pan or whatever your cooking place is yet? Would that be like a fair, uh, you know? <laughs> I guess you can say that. I, I yeah. guess that's a good analogy. Uh, maybe like for example, uh, when I go to a restaurant, I place mm -hmm. my order. The yeah. order is being is being uh is uh, being placed in the mempool. So okay. and then and then the chef will execute it and include it in the block, and then you have your food. I guess if you put it in that way, that would be uh, an analogy as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm just <laughs> trying to make it uh easy and more accessible right? for people. Oh, I think I food. think that's a that's a fantastic yeah. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Interesting. So I, I guess your company is still uh, open for hiring at the moment. It looks like because I mean. Uh yes, we are. We have a lot of open roles actually. Let me just click into it. Uh, 
to be honest, I'm not very clear as to how many sure. positions we have, but I think we have more than five. Oh, we have more than five. One, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven. Uh, we, have, we have plenty. So uh, uh, for those who are looking for a job in Web3, and if you think that you are uh, well-suited for one of the roles here, uh, highly encourage for you to apply, or even the internship program. Nice, nice. Awesome. Yeah, looks like a lot of roles. I, I think most of these are like, very technical, right? <laughs> it sounds like an uh, engineer, uh, auditor. Yeah. I think I already yeah, saw yeah. like marketing executive. There's one there, one business yeah. role. <laughs> yeah, one among like uh, how many technical roles out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 I see. So um, you've been working at Nethermind for what, two two years now? Is that right? No, it's a, a little less than a year. I think 11 months. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. And what, what are, so in, in your 11 months at Nethermind, what are some of the challenges that you face working at the current company? Uh, the challenge? That I face okay, uh, the, a non a non technical challenge that I face is that I need to I need to get used to the very odd, uh, meeting schedule, because mm -hmm. uh like like just before the call I had a meeting at nine thirty uh, Japan time to around ten, yeah ten, <laughs> ten p.m. Japan time, so uh for 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 Asian listeners this is a, probably a bad time to have your meeting but I have to do it because I have colleagues that are from the uh from the from South America that I've heard from Europe. So these are the time that has that I think is the most suitable for everyone. I just have to stay up a bit late. Uh, some people just wake up a, a bit early. Uh, it's, it's a good compromise, I think, among uh, among the members that we have in the team. That could be a challenge. Uh, that was a challenge for me at first in the first couple of weeks, but you just get used to it, right? You just wake, you just sleep late and wake up wake up later. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on the technical front, I think uh, I, this is not really a challenge from Nethermind, but uh, blockchain in general, like things uh, actually stung in general because I mentioned that I work in, in the Explorer. The technical front is that Stangnet changes very rapidly and, and, and as an explorer, you need to move fast as well to try to capture all the protocol changes and make sure that it's included, it's captured in, in Explorer because at the end of the day, users are going to rely on the Explorer to get to know that the latest data. Uh, so if Explorer is down because probably a protocol change, that would be, that would be nice. So the challenge is you have to, you have to really move fast uh, when it comes to building an Explorer. Yeah, that would be, be, yeah. Hmm. Is it because like Explorer is a pretty critical piece of the in infrastructure in Web3? I would say it's a very, very like you said, a very critical mm. piece of infrastructure, and it also encompasses a very wide range of Web3 products. So in Explorer, we have we, we have the contract details. So that means like we show we show uh, analytics. I mean, we, we we show tokens as well. Uh, we show in the future we are going to show NFT data. So all these are different aspects of blockchain and we need to be able to accommodate for all different parts of, of blockchain. So we need to do like contracts. Uh, we need to know about contracts. We need to know about protocol changes. We need to know about uh, UI, UX as well because we need to like show all these things in a nice manner. No. Uh, we need to know what are the latest things to include so that we can you know let users, um, how can I say, benefit the users so that we show data in a certain way that they like. So basically, Explorer is a very, very, how can I say, very tedious and very painful job, but someone has to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think it's very necessary yeah, for people to explore. <laughs> I think it's very hard for people to explore around for, like, to look for transactions on their own without an, an Explorer, right? In general, yeah. Uh, yes, I actually gave a talk about uh, what is life uh, what what is life in uh, blockchain without Explorer? So you have to look into RPC, you have to call an API, you have wow. to do your own decoding. Uh, it, it's possible, but it's going to be very it's going to be very tedious. I see. Yeah. I see, and, and I guess you have to be super technical as well, right, to be able to do all of that. Yeah. So yeah, you have to understand. Like yeah, you have to understand like hmm. uh, you have to learn what to call and how how to read the data. Yeah, it's very annoying. I see. Now, now I'm actually more curious. I want to dig more on like the human side of your your company. So it sounds like you have people from all over the world working at the company, and your company mm -hmm. headquarters in London, right? Is that correct or UK? Yeah, we we are. Uh, but uh, how can I say? Uh, we are officially and by legal like by legal means or like legal standards, if you whatever you call it, hmm. that we are based in the UK. We have a very small WeWork space, which I have not visited at all. Uh, that's about it. Like I think there are like ten, ten desks, and most of them are pretty much empty. <laughs> okay. So everyone else works everywhere. I see. So we have people from India, from Pakistan. We have some from Africa. Hmm. Uh, we don't have anyone from Japan yet, but we have someone from Korea, like two or three people from Korea, Malaysia. We used to have an intern in Vietnam, hmm. uh, Thailand. We have a couple of people, Australia. 
uh, Europe, of course, we have a lot, uh, the, the North, South America, we have, uh, yeah, basically across the entire region. Awesome. Awesome. So then how, how do people like actually work in a fully remote Web3 company? I think this is a topic that a lot of people who, who are not in Web3, you know, like maybe curious about like, what tool do you guys use? Like, how do you collaborate with each other? Do you work in small team, big teams? Like, mm. yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah, I think, I think for now, like every team uh, size, like every, like every project that, that I show probably uh, over, over here, like these are all one projects are, have a team of like not, not too, not too large. We, we don't have like, 20 people we don't have like 30 people in a team okay and uh and i think the key to working remotely uh is to have good communication hmm. one uh one needs to have needs to uphold the responsibility to communicate your work uh, to communicate the, the 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 roadblocks uh clearly and you need to have the initiative to always like uh remind people to reply to your message because some people might, might forget. Mm. Like, for example, let's say I have like 10 messages. I might seen, I might have seen, but I forgot to reply you. And uh, it's mm. the responsibility of someone else to remind me as well. And it's also my responsibility to remind other people as well. So uh, being working remotely, uh, you need to kind of understand that communication is very important uh, yeah, to make sure that messages get across. And uh, I think in our team, in Voyager, we have a daily sync, which is uh, the meeting I have before the call. Uh, it's just like a it's like a daily catch up as to uh what uh, who has a problem or what like just just a, just a quick update of the, as to what happened uh, throughout the day and if we need any urgent actions. So this is like all twenty or twenty or thirty people all, all in one meeting. Uh, so our team is a bit small. We have like around ten people. So ten oh, people okay. all in one meeting. But it's not compulsory though. If you're busy, uh, you yeah. can always update us in the Slack channel. Uh, yeah. but of, of course if you're not busy. Uh, it's very nice for you to drop by. I see. For for email, like, do you guys use like Outlook, Gmail? What what, what is it? Uh, we have a company Gmail, but to be honest, I only use Gmail when only when people uh send me some calendar stuff to to my uh -huh. calendar. <laughs> uh, aside from that, aside from that, I really much prefer people to contact me via Telegram or in a, in the company sense via Slack because this is where I have I I can give you almost immediate response. I see, I see. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that sounds very like Web three native, right? Most people <laughs> Telegram, yeah. Interesting. I, I, I know that feeling, yeah. Because for me also, <laughs> I, I actually, I'm basically, I'm, I'm, I try to be on point on most of my social media, but yeah. Mm. So I, yeah, it's keeping it. But I do think that in Web3, like Telegram and uh, probably still the most popular. And Twitter. Yeah, Telegram and Twitter are like the two very most popular tools. I think Farcaster now is getting more popular because Vitalik is super active on Farcaster. Oh, really? Farcaster? Yeah, he's, he posted very frequently on Farcaster now as compared to in Twitter. Okay, what 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 is your take on Farcaster? Where 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 do you think will happen with them? And, and and I guess for the people who don't know about Farcaster, maybe give a quick one one liner, two liner about what what it is also. Oh, Farcaster is an alternative to uh, Twitter. It's like a social mm. media. Uh, I think it has something to do with blockchain, which I don't really know. Uh, I yeah. have an account in Farcaster. I don't use it that much. <laughs> so my take on Farcaster is like I I actually don't know. I have an account. I don't really use it that much. Oh, uh, probably <laughs> they they need more traction. If they have more like cool people to think, then I will start using it a lot. So I guess this is part of the onboarding journey, right? Like like uh for a social media platform example, you need people to go there, and you have this positive 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 feedback cycle. Where you have more more content creator, and if you have more people joining. And then you have even more content creator and so on and so forth. So I think Farcaster is probably trying to do that. But uh, I don't really, I can't really comment much on Farcaster otherwise. I see, I see. Interesting. Yeah, I think it sounds very similar to the Web2 marketplace problem of chicken and the egg, right? Or the buyer, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah indeed, comment, indeed. Right? Which side do you get first, right? You know, like for example, Airbnb, do you focus more on the host first or do you focus more on traveler? I think Airbnb, they probably focus more on the host, for example. First, because you uh, actually need the host first, right? And then yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. The traveler. I mean, there already like, there's already plenty of traveler, right? Around so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Awesome. So then, um, what um now now that I mean you you you're a very capable developer from what I see. What actually motivates you every day, right? When you <laughs> get up to work, right? How 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 do you keep yourself accountable, and uh, responsible? I just don't think my job is a job. Like I actually enjoy nice. uh, learning new stuff every day, uh, learning hard stuff. I think which is why I joined Web3 in the first place because Web3 is moving very fast. And I think which is why I got interested in ZK because ZK is very hard. <laughs> so uh, I think I just, you know, I'm the type of guy who likes to learn stuff uh, on a daily basis. And I, I don't think my job is a job. I generally enjoy writing code, generally enjoy building stuff. 
So I think I'm very lucky to be able to get into the space because uh, of that. Uh, what motivates me, I think, um, for now, like if, if someone uses Voyager and give me like a feedback, whether or not it's mm -hmm. good or bad, I'll be yeah. very happy. So I guess that's my motivation. So for example, let's say if you go to you, you tell me that, oh, I, I just do not like, like for example, this button placement. And I would be very happy to listen to your feedback because it shows that people actually care and actually uses uh, Voyager, which is, a, a, which is this, a product that our team is bidding very hard uh, to provide to the users. So I guess that is a, that could be a motivation. Awesome. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you mentioned earlier, you also handle UI UX. Do you actually also build the front end for that too? Or do you just do the back end, everything, a little bit everything? Oh yeah. In, 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 in our team, we have a front end uh, designer. Uh, ah, so to, they, they are mainly in charge of the front end. I do some some small modification of front end. I'm not like a very good front end. I do like maybe some easy placement, easy text change. Those are the things I can do. Uh, but majority of the front end work are done by the front end engineer and also the uh, designer. I mainly do the back end part. Okay, I see. Are you an individual contributor or are you actually leading the team for Voyager? Oh, I'm a co-lead uh, of, okay. uh, of, of this project. That means that I share uh, the responsibility with another guy uh, who is based in North America. So two of us uh, are, in, is in, are in charge in overseeing the entire project, make sure that everything works. <laughs> nice. Interesting. So for, for being a co-lead, how, how do you, is there a way you guys divide responsibility or like how do you divide work or divide, or is there any division at all? It's just, are you guys work toward a common goal of making Voyager the best? Oh, that is yeah, yeah. That is a very good question. Basically, we all we all the all everyone in the team tries to make Voyager to be as good as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, basically, the other colleague is very more uh, very much well versed than me in in terms of the infra sense. So, uh, mm -hmm. he normally take charge in the infra part. Me, I uh, I because coming from my experience in Etherscan, I am a, a bit more experienced when it comes to block explorer. So, I often give out weird ideas and uh, <laughs> give a, mm -hmm. give uh, give a uh, propose some weird architectures for the team to implement. So I guess this is how our roles are being divided. I see. Cool, cool. But but I guess so. So I think you probably have when what what happened if you guys don't agree on something like how how do you do a tiebreaker or you know oh. I guess then you're like co-lead right yeah. Oh, uh, uh, that's a very good question though. But to be honest, I haven't had a hard time. Uh, mm. I haven't yet had a hard time to come up with a. To, to sort of like resolve conflicts. I think generally the team is pretty understanding. Like you just have to explain, uh, for example, if you disagree on this design, uh, mm. we generally have to give our reasons why. And some, somehow someone would, would uh, how can I say, we'll give in. For example, I would probably like agree with that, they, that your design vision is probably better. And I was like, okay, we can try it first. And uh, one thing I remind the team to do is that we always have to be very flexible. So let's say if design A is not good, we can, we always, should be very flexible in our in our uh, in our way of thought, our mindset, mm. in uh, changing the design, uh, so that you know it it's better than before. So you have to be very flexible to change, very open to change, not to like be very attached to the design that you have. So for example, like if this button is not nice, we we, mm. we should always be very flexible to remove it or change it. So so yeah, try and error is very important. Like if you come up, if you cannot come up with a decision, we should definitely try and error. I see. Nice. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it sounds like a very fair process that you guys have. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, 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 you actually like to listen to feedback from uh, users of the existing Voyager blog, right? How, where, where do you go to actually find these existing users of your <laughs> That's, that's a super good question. Uh, right now we are not getting enough feedback as much as I hope, uh, mm -hmm. but sometimes too much feedback is also bad, right? Like you're just too yeah. busy, but right now I think it's okay. Like we get, we're, we're getting more feedback than a couple of months ago that, I mean, and it shows that user actually uses Voyager now. Yeah. Uh, people sometimes DM me uh, or DM the group, the, the shared channel that we have on Telegram. Uh, some, sometimes people like just know that, oh, who and who works for Voyager and I'll just DM this, this person. Uh, the easy way is to also DM, DM us on our Discord. Uh, we do have a Voyager sub-channel. Uh, uh, tag us on Twitter. Uh, we have some, someone who definitely look into it and uh, relate to us. So these are the platforms that you can, uh, for now, you can uh, give us feedbacks. Nice, awesome, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think we. I Thank think, you. I think I think we've talked a lot about your company in in particular. Uh, let's uh -huh. switch your gear a bit and talk about more things in 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 general. You can quit quit the sharing. Yeah. Okay. 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 I can see your face so, now. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome.
Cool. So, um, what do you think? My first question: What what do you think will happen in the Web three space in a few years, or and maybe Web three in general, and also your your space, your company, particular domain, in a few years? Oh wow, this is a very hard one. Like, uh, I'm not going to predicting predicting stuff. Uh, I personally hope that people can appreciate the beauty of Web three in the sense that uh, everyone is able to uh, participate in the network. Uh. I I hope that uh there will be more uh useful applications uh aside from the finance uh, industry there will be on mm. blockchain and that requires us to improve on certain areas like make it uh, make it more scalable execution has to be cheaper blah 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 uh yeah those are my my hope and I would expect uh those to be achieved uh, seeing how many uh, seeing the amount of smart people good engineers had uh, tackling this problem together so yeah those are my uh my hope. I see. Thank you. And then I actually would like to ask you my, my show signature question for Web3 is that what can we as, you know, Web3 native people do to help onboard and guide, you know, 1 billion people to using Web3 products and services? Uh, I would say uh, the first thing first is that we should not, um, we should motivate people in a very healthy way. We should not tell people that, oh, you come to Web3, you get rich. That is a very bad uh, way to motivate people. It's very short term too, right? Like sure, people want to get into Web3, but they're only in for the money. Uh, they're not in for the right reasons, right? Uh, I would, uh, what I would love to do is that I would like to let people know of the beauty of Web3. I would tell them about the technology, about uh, like tell, uh, like explain to them what Web3 enables and people will, hopefully get interest. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure not everyone will get interested, but if they're like mm. one out of like, one out of like five people who got interested, then I've successfully on board like 20% of people I talk to. Yeah. That is That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I would encourage everyone to uh, explain uh, to other people who are trying to get into the web free space in a very, uh, how can I say, in a very, not in a not short term way. That means we don't, we don't ask people mm-hmm. to, to, to come say, that, oh, web free is way for you to get rich. That is not, something that uh, we will want to see in the industry. And uh, these so-called scammy tokens uh, uh, or, mm. uh, are just giving bad rep- reputation to the web free space, which we don't need already. We have plenty of that already. Uh, yeah, so, and just think of, uh, and also it's very important to uh, contribute your ideas, uh, ask questions, contribute ideas, join hackathons, yeah. uh, talk to more people so that you're able to then inspire more people uh, hopefully, and hopefully get everyone to understand the cause of Web3 and what it enables and why is, why, is it, why is it good for you and why do you think it's important. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, thank you. thank you for sharing that. I think in, in general, I think even for any new technology, always comes with new ways of, you know, like scammers and cheaters who's going to come up with new ways. Right? I think the same as in the when Web2 or even the internet first came out, right? There's a lot of yeah. people also being misled or being cheated, being scammed. And I think the same thing is also happening in Web3 first, right? So yeah, what, what, yeah. What, is there something we can do to help prevent that or maybe yeah, help control? Uh, I think this probably, probably, probably what I think is a proper education. Like we should, mm. uh, people who uh, are, people who got scammed are probably those people who would like to achieve a, a goal uh, very quickly or like a short-term goal very quickly. Mm. They are probably very desperate to earn more money and that's why they give in to a lot of these temptations. Uh, so with proper education and with proper uh, self-awareness, uh, we know that we are able to um, have a clear head to decide or not, like this is a scam or not, and to understand that uh, money is not that easy to earn. Like it can be too good to be true. If it's too good to be true, it's probably it's too good to be true. Yeah, I see. Uh, so like DIY, right? Do your own research, right? <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that term around, is yeah. being thrown around a lot, but I feel that not many people mm-hmm. is taking that DIY term very seriously, which I definitely hope that people take it more seriously. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally <laughs> yeah. It's very tricky. Uh, mm. Anyway, so just two two more questions here before we closing out the end, end of the show here. Um, since you've been working in Web three for quite some time now, do you have any particular advice and maybe some actionable step people can take right away to for people who are trying to get a job in Web three people who maybe let's say transition from the Web two space as a whether as a technical or non technical person, right? Transitioning to Web three, what, what what can they do? To get a job, yeah. yeah, this is a very good question. I've been asked about that a lot. Uh, so basically, now the number one thing you should you should do is to you should definitely start reading up on your own uh, about about uh, blockchain stuff. 
So if you are technical people, someone who's technical, you should start learning your smart contract on your own uh, without having someone to try to push you into learning it. Uh, because I feel that if you learn it on your own, it's your own initiative and you are very self-driven. And uh, someone who's self-driven is able to motivate the, him, himself or herself uh, without having someone to like spoon feed or push you to do it, right? It, yeah. it doesn't work if I, if I sit next to you, Lam, and every day I force you to study. It doesn't work that way, right? Correct, you, correct, have to, yeah. you, have to, you have to love it and yeah. you have to be motivated and uh, it, comes from, it comes from within yourself. So you should be very disciplined and uh, you, should be very, you should have the initiative to start learning, uh, start, because all the materials are there online. It's very open. You can ask any questions that people will answer, like I mentioned before. It's a very open culture. Uh, you should start asking people questions, uh, hmm. talk to communities to bounce off ideas. Uh, and if you and I think joining hackathons is a good way for you to sort of accelerate that process because in hackathons you get to meet people and you get to talk to different people from different aspects and get to learn from them as well and get to see what other projects are being built and even build project yourself. So that means you're already using some of the protocols uh, that are already in the space. It kind of like allows you to grow even faster as a team uh, and with a deadline, of course. So getting a job. Uh, uh, yeah, so basically these are the, I would say, precursor, um, the mindset in, in terms of mindset for you to get a job. Uh, mm. I, I would say that do not afraid if you are not good enough because at the end of the day, uh, mm. someone, everyone has to start from somewhere, right? I, I, start, I started from not knowing nothing uh, yeah. to knowing a bit more. Uh, and many, many people who do not know nothing and uh, move on a couple of years, uh, actually, if you are hardworking, I think a year, it's a lot already uh, that you can learn. Uh, yeah, so be persistent. Be uh, do not be afraid. Ask questions. Uh, have a uh, initiative. Uh, motivate yourself every day. Uh, and and do not. Yeah, th th those are the general advice that I would I would say. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh what one important thing is that if you go to meet people, yeah. uh, sometimes that your network could help. Like for example, um, mm. I got my job in Nethermind because I I was giving a talk in start Vietnam actually. I was in Vietnam okay. giving a talk, and I, I met I met the I met the, the CEO, which is also the founder of Metamind, and he's uh, he likes to talk, and he offered me a job on the spot, so that's how I got oh. my job. That's awesome. <laughs> so so, so yeah, awesome, meet yeah. people, uh, share knowledge, and uh, share your knowledge publicly so people get to know you yeah. as well. Yeah. So instead of like this absorbing, you should also like give back so people know. Oh, okay, this guy seems to know his stuff. Uh, I would like him to join my team, for example. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So I think just re recap a little bit of that. I think people have need to have an like an intrinsic motivation, right? To develop mm. the, the love for true learning mm. and then network, build network, work with people, uh, build some project, learn something, right? If you're a dev technical, if you're a business person, mm. I guess you can just write or talk or do something. Like for, for me, mm. I actually, I, for me, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm expressing my love for Web3 to running this podcast, right? For sure. This is one of This podcast is podcasts. great. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is great. Yeah. Mm. You're taking your own time to do it. I think, thank you so much for doing it. And uh, I hope, uh, I hope there are more people like you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to bring something um, quite special and unique to, to the table. And because I also think that Web3 right now is not completely uh, quite difficult for people to understand, right? So, I mean, that, that's why earlier I was asking you a lot of the, uh, to explain some of the very technical concepts in Web3. And, and I think you explained them very well. Actually. So, <laughs> I think even better than I could explain <laughs> myself. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. And uh, where, where can people find you or follow you? Uh, I am pretty active on Twitter. I'm a, an active reader on Twitter. My Twitter is... Uh... Uh, do you do you have like a description that people can share? Oh yeah, yeah. Will... yes, yes. You can yes. you can just read read it out loud and spell it, and then I'll make sure to put it in the show notes there. So okay. Elias C H E E C H Y O N. Basically, my name, and then you append it with A N G, which is my last name. So T Tren A N G. So my, my that's my full name. Uh, so that's my my Twitter my Twitter handler. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> simple enough. Yeah, I make sure to put that in the show notes so people can check it out whether they are listening in from some podcasts like Apple Podcasts or watching on YouTube, then they can find it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very I hardly like tweet. I'm normally reading a lot, but I hardly tweet, I hardly post as so, well. But but uh I don't know, my but my DMs are open. Some sometimes if you ask good questions I will reply. But I I would not reply to those people who like are stealing their NFT projects and uh, uh, want me to get even some scams. Those are people yeah. that I I probably won't reply because they're scams. Mm. Got it, got it. I, I actually I, I think the other day I was quite random actually, but I think I saw you on 
some Twitter space, right? I think you're participating in some very technical workshop, actually. I think it was about it was, it was this morning. Yeah, I it think was this was morning. Yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was quite random, actually. I, I, yeah. I, just, I, I went on Twitter and I'm like, oh, it's like, it's showing me like, oh, Chi Chuan is actually in there, you know? And then I just joined, I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually very <laughs> technical. So I, I, I tried to listen in a little bit, but I think after I, I had a work meeting, so yeah, I just dropped out for the <laughs> I saw you there. I was like, oh, wow, love is here too. Cool, cool, very cool, yeah. very cool. Yeah, just listening in. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining the sixth episode of uh, Colors of Web3 Entrepreneurship. It's been. Thank awesome. you for having me. I really enjoy uh, this talk and I, I would like to thank you. appreciate you giving me an opportunity to be on, uh, on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you again for that. And we are back to my studio. Did you guys enjoy the sixth episode of Colors of Web3 and Entrepreneurship? If you did, please hit the like and subscribe button up here. Um, it will mean a lot to me. For the next episode, I'll be talking with the CEO of Coris.io, uh, Mr. Pavel. He's actually building a platform to help brands with their influencer marketing activity. So it's a very interesting topic that you don't want to miss. Uh, once again, thank you for listening and see you next time.